that's working for me. You're listening to The Limitless, the podcast between Jason Halsey. This week I'm talking to Dan Mitchell. It came about, well, we planned to talk anyway. I asked him to get up to speed on what I was up to with David Shana and stuff. And he didn't. He had a bit of an adverse reaction. And I thought, great, let's just jump right in and see what's there. So it worked out very well, I think, for all concerned. And my impression, I haven't listened back yet, is this is one of the juiciest and most uh, nourishing podcasts that I've done. However, I've noticed also that podcasts I'm particularly happy with tend to get less feedback than others. So let's see if that happens now. Maybe I'm out of sync with my audience. Listen in to Dan and me and tell me what you think. So thanks for, for talking. I wasn't sure if you might still be bristling, you might not feel like it. Or, but I, I think, as I said in the email, I think it's seized the moment. I, I actually like a little, uh, well, contrast, I used the word I used. I definitely like contrast. I don't mind pushback if it comes from somebody I know is sensitive and sympathetic, as I know you are, and open. So if it was somebody else, and you know, I might have just thought, ah, don't bother me. But it wasn't. It was somebody that is discerning, and and you had some, you have some things to say, sure. uh, unless you've had an epiphany since then. So so if you want to sum up the email or just start, start there, then that's good sure. with me. Sure. So you know, going through the the Dave O'Shana material um, and listening to that, that latest podcast, I think that's what kind of was kind of a kick in my gut a little bit. And it was one of these things that just, it agitated me, you know, listening to it, which for me is really weird because I normally don't get too worked up about things that I, that I listen to, even if it's things I don't agree with. But I guess the the biggest hurdle for me always is using that term enlightenment or enlightened being. And it's just something that kind of gets stuck in my craw, I guess. And I have a hard time believing it and even getting around it. It's just that claim is just used and overused and it's off-putting to me personally, it's just off-putting. And anytime I think of it, it's, it's almost comes off as cult-like or, you know, the burgeoning of, of a new cult. And for me, that's always concerning. So I, I guess I start there and, and this may be a misunderstanding on my part where I'm not understanding that term enlightenment, what, what the meaning is of that. So that's what I'd like to to kind of find out is just get to the basic of that word, the definition of that word. What what does enlightenment mean on these terms? Dave, 
For Dave. To yep. Dave. Because this came up with your guest blog post, didn't it? It did. It did. It did. We, we didn't touch on it much, but we, we did. Yeah, I did kind of talk about that a little bit. Well, I can't remember exactly, but you, you, I think you used the term enlightenment disparagingly in your blog post. And I said, well, that'd be interesting because I've been working and posting about David Sharna. And so I can't remember if I asked if you could qualify it, or, uh, what you meant. And, and so I, I definitely, I know that your feeling about the word and your association with the word with something closer to what I've met with Prisoner Infinity is a dissociative, crucial fiction, uh, uh, well, the Calshedian model of a pro progressed part that can tap into all kinds of cosmic wisdom. But yep. it's essentially unbalanced. Seemed like you had it in that context, and which I would agree with uh, the context. Just not that's not the word I have it in because I'm working with someone who uses the word. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be using it at all otherwise. I'm. I'm with you as a general uh, perspective. Like why use that word? And I don't know if you picked up on the podcast uh, when Dave was laughing about it the, the first thing i said to him practically was i don't think you're enlightened so, <laughs> so it's been there from the start between us yeah yeah, yeah? yeah. so so yeah I, I guess but what is it is my main question i mean what is it why what does is, he use it what why is it yeah yeah what is it that what is it that he has on in the most simple terms yeah what is it that, that he has yeah, well, you don't have her that I don't have. Okay, well, uh, I mean that's a, almost a broader question than than what does he mean by enlightenment. So I'll start with that, uh, and I, I'm sure he's defined it. He's definitely defined it more than one way, but the one that is coming to me now that he's used quite a bit and that I like is enlightenment is 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 uh, knowing yourself and expressing yourself. So, okay. so just, I mean, there's very little there to chew on. Like, I, I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want to add anything, but I also didn't necessarily just leave a big pregnant pause either. Although we can, maybe it'll get impregnated. There's, there's very little to it. Like what Dave, it's, it's actually a bit of a paradox with Dave because, yeah, what what he's saying that happened to him that he calls enlightenment. As far as I know, he's the only enlightened but the only person who's claiming to be enlightened enlightened who has a day a day and a, a year and a time when it happened which to yeah. me is, is is okay you could fake that and you could bullshit but i mean if somebody got enlightened you would expect they would be very specific about it in my opinion otherwise if it's just some gradual coming into yourself then where's this big line that you're suddenly oh i'm enlightened now and i wasn't yesterday right so so that's always been the part of dave's presentation or context for the, the word something happened to him at, at 6 a.m on june 19th i get the dates right 2000 and he's talked about that presumably countless times but i've certainly heard him talk about it a dozen times or more what it was and because he was because he was seeking enlightenment uh, according to his recount since the age of five which is pretty unusual he somehow heard about it at five and he just thought this is what this is what my life is about. Uh, and although he was quite disillusioned by the time 33 was a whole spiritual microwave, still this idea of enlightenment was so strong for him that when whatever it was happened, that was the word that he went for. 
He said, I think I'm enlightened. Um, the only other thing I'd add there is he did say that it was something to do with light. He did get a sense of inner light, so it did sort of light. fit. I've heard Dave even say, maybe only once, that I don't know, maybe I'm not enlightened. He's, he's not, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen Dave uh, have any point to defend, including his enlightenment. He does seem to know who he is, and he does seem to be himself very well. And that's, you know, I've said recently he's the, well, actually, no, I quoted somebody saying he's the first grown-up you've met that they've met. I can see what they mean. I said to him recently on a podcast that didn't get recorded, I mean, a conversation, that he's the most ethical person I've ever met. Mm -hmm. There's a number of different things I could say, but that, that would qualify a little bit or give context to, you know, why I don't have a problem with the word anymore. But I just finished, I think I was halfway to a point, which was... Um, what was it? I've gone up, I've gone and done what Dave does. He preambles and then he forgets what he's preambling. Um, yeah, it's gone out of my head now. So yeah, over to you. Okay. So, I mean, just as, as someone that's never attended, I haven't attended any of these events, so I, I really don't know what goes on or, or the things that happen. So I'm just kind of an outside observer here, listening to the podcast, reading, reading these articles. And it does in a way, I mean, and it's just, just to me personally, and I, I don't mean to be insulting in any way, but it, it, it does, it has almost a cult feeling to it a bit. And again, that's just me observing from the outside and, you know, I think that any time, and, and this is what I'm hearing too, is that it's a lot of emotion, a lot of people getting worked up, a lot of people confronting these very dark things inside of them already and, and being aware that they're present. And it seems like a lot of, um, I don't want to use, and I use the word in my email, just kind of toying around with these emotions and can I just pause? Can I just pause you there? Because sure. Because I'm not sure what where you got the idea from. So I want because it doesn't sound like that sounds like a Bhagwan Rajneesh Osho or something. Uh, so so it doesn't sound like what's going on in the Dave field okay. currently. So I just I just wondered where I, you got that. I, from. I could be and again. I could be wrong, and that could be something that I just maybe didn't quite hear right, but it just sounded like uh, you were mentioning a couple people in your last podcast in particular, one person that seemed to have kind of a, I don't, wanna, I don't know if it was a violent reaction to, um, emotional reaction to what was going on in, in this meeting. And, you know, I guess, I yes, guess for yeah. me, I think that was. I think that's what, yeah. yeah. No, he I didn't. So. He didn't. I'll tell you. I'll give you the context. Otherwise, you're you're firing with blanks. Uh, he he had only been to one event before, I think, and this was an interactive one. And he spoke at the end because people were invited to speak. And he expressed his. Uh, there was a lot of focus on COVID and the vaccine and things because Dave's been focusing on that unusually for him to focus on worldly stuff. Uh, and the Jeff. Uh, he, he ended up expressing or talking about his anger. I wouldn't say he, he wasn't emoting, uh, but he did talk about how angry he was and how frustrated he was and so on. And then he said that he was amazed that he was able, I don't know if he said he was amazed, but he was able to open up and talk in this group in a way that he couldn't anywhere else. 
and I think he was surprised by that. But he was he also afterwards he said that he felt that he'd been incoherent and he'd been ranting, and he hadn't actually. He'd, he'd probably been expressing more anger than he feels safe expressing, maybe in his own home. I don't know, but definitely at work. Uh, and so he wasn't he wasn't used to it. But no, it wasn't it wasn't a big emotional thing. And uh, we were partly to be married to, well, not to reassure him, but to to point out that that how how difficult it is for people to just express themselves that they really need a, a space to do it and I think it's largely okay. the context yeah. yeah but it's not about cathartic per se I mean there have been retreats with catharsis but I wouldn't say that's okay. central central yeah and and, that, and it could be just misunderstanding on my part and you know for some reason just listening to it you know, it just was making me think of other things that I had heard in the past that you know, from other, from all sorts of other people, even, you know, somewhat new agey sort of things. You know, I, I think I mentioned Robert Monroe, as far as the term that was being used, that it was a human energy field. Yeah. yeah. You know, very similar to uh, something Robert Monroe would have talked about when he was doing uh, these astral travels where he's kind of going out beyond the bounds of, of human thinking and in, in these mind space or astral worlds. And, you know, that was really stuck with me too, because it just sounded so familiar listening to that. And, and so many other people had, had kind of covered that as well. And I think it was a combination of, of that. And then that term enlightenment where it just was, you know, because it seems like there's a lot of, uh, energy right now with what you guys are all going through and again I'm just kind of an outside observer here I'm not involved in any of these meetings so I don't know what goes on in there but I've just as this outside observer it just it sort of had that feeling to it this sort of new agey sort of um old school old surprise I'm surprised did you read uh, I mean old school is closer to something I could see maybe not the school part really um but did you did you I know you didn't have hardly any time so I mean three days or I didn't something. have much time uh, I, I didn't so you didn't read any of the recent blog posts uh I did I did read those um let me see where I'm, I'm just surprised that it, it seems kind of ironic because I, don't, I would say Dave has never been anything approximating what I call new age but particularly in the last few days, and partly for my enthusiasm, it accounts for my enthusiasm, he's been waxing very dark and very intense and very apocalyptic. Uh, not that the New Age doesn't have those elements, but they're always uh, sugar-coated. Dave doesn't sugarcoat. So to me, the New Age is, you know, without the sugar, <laughs> there's just a sile, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some apocalyptic, talk in there too in some places in in the new age and um i mean i think it's present maybe not as much as you know as all this love and light and rainbows and all of that but i, I think that there is in some areas of of new age there is that apocalyptic sort of talk well I mean, certainly I, I, cults i mean cults are, I mean, traditionally yeah. tend to have an apocalyptic context so I mean, I think there's two ways I could see we could go here. One is we could get into the new age and, the, you know, the, the counterfeit 
Um, what was the other way? The other one felt more fruitful, but I can't quite think what it was now. I think it had to do with what's really happening. Yeah, and I, I, I think my and, and I think my my biggest issue with this is that I do not and I still don't understand enlightenment and what that means. Because yeah. I mean I I can say that you know the the issues that, that I've had over the years is I, I know myself very well. I know the things that, that trigger me, that piss me off, that move me to rage or move me to sorrow or happiness or hope. So, I mean, I know myself, I know the things that trigger me. And I mean, if, if knowing oneself is enlightenment, I mean, I could just as much say that I'm enlightened too. But that was half of it. The other half was being yourself, expressing yourself. Now I said that that, that that condensing enlightenment to that can reduce it to almost nothing. And so, yeah, anyone could say, well, I know myself, right? So, but but do you really believe that? I mean, really, do you really believe that you 100% know yourself? Every crook and cranny and corner of your psyche has been, uh, has been cleaned out and met and, you know, colonized or not colonized is a bad word isn't it inhabited by your life force and fully embodied it's a certain point i said today it's not in the why you took, why don't you call it embodiment that's so much better um so anyway i mean that that i'll give you i'll give you a longer definition of my understanding of enlightenment we're starting with the short version which is the, the soul being fully landed in the body which is poetic speak for the life force which is conscious if we want to call it energy, but I think energy reduces it, um, which doesn't make it all the way into our body according to, uh, because of trauma and because of the, the locking up of the nervous system and the toxins and the traumatic memories in the body. The life force can't enter, even as infants, uh, all the way into the body. So it maybe get who knows, it gets down to our eyebrows or whatever, or maybe even hovers above the head, and this is the disembodied dissociative state. Uh, so clearing out the body and relaxing the body so completely over time that the life force begins to move deeper and deeper into the cells of the body, all the way, you know, the blood, the tissues, all the way into the bones, all the way down to the feet until a certain point, which would be the pop moment, I haven't had it, when there's a complete alignment of the circles, if you will, of, of the, the body and the soul are, are completely aligned and so the the soul is indwelling and the body isn't fully ensouled. And then we're here, we land, boom. Yeah. yeah. So, That's, so the, yeah. so the first part of that is that I'll just kind of address what you said, asking if I actually know fully myself or, or what makes me tick the, you know, the nook and crannies that maybe are unseen and, and to answer that, honestly, I, I probably don't. So I, you know, I can, definitely say that, you know, I, I'm not going to be totally confident in saying that I, I do understand that because I, I, I probably don't. Um, I, it's, it's funny because this made me think of, I told you in that email that I started reading D.H. Lawrence recently, and he had a sort of statement about what he believes. And I, I just want to see real quickly if I can find it because I don't want to, I don't even want to paraphrase it. 
Okay. Because if I do, I'll just, I'll, I'll completely botch it. Um, yeah. I used to read Lawrence in my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm behind the curve here, huh? Well, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I know. Let's see. And it, it's only one... It's only one line. He says, um, this is what I believe, that I am I, that my soul is a dark forest, that my known self will never be more than a little clearing in the forest, that gods, strange gods, come forth from the forest into the clearing of my known self and then go back, that I must have the courage to let them come and go, that I will never let mankind put anything over me, but I will but I will try always to recognize and submit to the gods in me and the gods in other men and women that there is my creed. Have you ever heard that before? Well, I might have read it. Which, which is it in? Which book? Um, I'm not sure. That's, a, that's an excerpt. It's from the reader, the D.H. Lawrence reader. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you read St. Moore? I have not. That was one that really... Got, got to me as about a horse and see Lawrence was very into the primal into the nature and I'd say he got half halfway there would be my feeling about Lawrence but that half is one that David's very focused on which is the, our natural selves yeah so, so yeah so what I'm reading right now is just the uh it's pretty much the poems and apocalypse which is a, I think his last work which is really unknown it's kind of a commentary on the book of revelation and obviously it's not about revelation at all it's pretty much about uh lawrence's view of the cosmos and how mankind basically lost the cosmo and getting it back and you're right it is he is very much about the primal and about getting back to nature and how you know the industrial revolution pretty much wiped out a large chunk of our humanity and you know i i for whatever reason it's it's one of the very few things i can read these days i mean i don't really read a whole lot of books anymore i i can't i can't even really write anymore um but yeah it's it's something one of the very few things that i that i read and i just found it recently so i can't say i'm a i know a whole lot about him yeah, and you brought it up now in the context of your the nooks and crannies of your psyche, was it? Sorry, say that again. I think you did you not bring it up in relation to acknowledging that there were parts of your being that you didn't. I know. did. Yeah. I did. And that's why that's so when I you know, with what you're saying and then reading that too, reading that recently, it just kind of came together for me that, that it is, I, I, I can say that I do not, I probably do not know myself fully on those terms of what, what would be called enlightenment, I guess, where you do know yourself and can fully express yourself. I mean, even given uh, having these conversations, I mean, I'm always stammering, stuttering, and you know, I'm not really good at expressing myself in anything else other than than writing pretty much. That's always the way it's been for me. But um, one other thing I wanted to say too, is that having chronic illness for 20 years, when you were kind of talking about the life force um, embodying somebody and fully incarnating into the human body. I, when I first started having 
real serious health issues. The first problem I had was neuropathy in my feet where I could not, I lost feeling a good amount of feeling in my feet. Um, and I can say that from that point, I mean, the, that's some of my problems started from there and, and even like losing some of the hair on my legs, same thing. It was just, it all started in my feet and, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it was maybe three, four years ago. And I started really actively trying to fix myself, but that I, I just thought it very strange that that was kind of the place that it started where your feet touched the earth. And that's when I noticed it. And it was almost like that feeling losing that feeling in my leg was just, or in my feet was just kind of the start of a lot of bad things. Mm. So, you know, and I wonder, I wonder how that corresponds to this whole thing of embodiment. I really do. Cause yeah. I, I think that with inflammation and chronic illness, I, I do believe, and I believe, especially in my case, that all of this began with, with trauma and, just the nervous system being just kind of overrun and um, you know, just a lot of rough years, a lot of rough living. Mm -hmm. So. And if you're anything like me, and I think that we do have a lot of overlaps, then the rough living and the self-traumatization or self-re-traumatization would have been fueled by, I think we touched on this in our last conversation, by very early experiences that might not even be mental memories. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I, I touched on in that last email that I sent you is that I I'm convinced that there are still traumas there that I have not fully resolved or figured out. And honestly, I don't know that I ever will. Uh -huh. So bingo. So there you go. So, what if enlightenment just me meant being trauma free? Yeah, I, do, I do can see that. that. Do you feel that your fate is necessarily your fate? And if so, is it everyone else's fate? Or do you think it's, it's possible to be free of trauma? Uh, well, I can say this is that I, I've tried for a very long time to sort of figure it out and resolve it. And for me, a lot of this is just uh, my, my biggest thing is probably pent up anger, rage, hatred, things like that, that I know that are not, are not good, shouldn't be there. And I think that it wreaks havoc um, on my nervous system. Uh, I'm convinced of it. I mean, growing mm -hmm. up, uh, you know, my whole thing, it wasn't so much uh, drugs and, and things like that, but you know, being kind of a scrapper and a brawler and very violent and, um, you know, just kind of going into things that way and having, you know, partially a rough childhood too. Uh, I just think it did a lot of damage to, to my body eventually. Cause when I was, I, you know, I got sick. I want to say I was 19 years old when my problems really started. And that was kind of in the thick of when I was going through a lot of stress and I was 
sort of exiting my childhood, going into adulthood and still carrying over a lot of that, that trauma and sort of violent way of living for quite a few years. So I just think it, it wreaked havoc on me and it, it's 20 years of that now, over 20 years, it's, it's really done damage. And, and when I was, when I was writing and trying to sort of lay all of this stuff out, it just, it didn't seem to help much at all. I mean, it, it was, it seemed like it caused way more damage than anything. So, you know, I don't know if addressing trauma is always necessarily a good thing because I, I tried that and it, it messed me up even more. healing trauma that don't work it's not saying I presume that there might not be ways that would work true that's true and, and there, there may be ways that that it works but I don't know those ways you know I, I, I really don't I'm not sure how what's about I mean keeping the bar pretty low here although I'm being 
bit self-effacing there. What's about reading Prisoner of Infinity as a contrast to you saying that writing didn't help you? Do you feel that me writing Prisoner of Infinity or you reading it helped with the trauma? I think, re yeah, reading it, reading it helped a lot. I mean, I, I took a lot from, from reading it. Um, but I still, like I said, I mean, as far as figuring out that trauma for, for me, I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. Well, let's stay on the, <laughs> I can feel the gravitation pull of, of your no here, which is fine, but I do want to stay on the yes as much as possible uh, so I can induct you into our cult, of course. <laughs> um, do you feel that me writing Prisoner of Infinity was good for me? Did you get that sense of reading it? That it I did, me? yes. Yeah. I did. Yeah, so and, and I think that's the only uh, context or the only way it would be have been helpful for you. If it was just some theory that I'd come up with, then yeah. it, it would have been it would have been it might have been useful at some level and you might have been able to apply here and there. But but I think anyway, what I do is is try and pass on my own healing, my um what, what's that called? It's um, if not symbiosis, uh something like symbiosis. Uh, I can't think of the word offhand, but it's, uh, if, you're get, if you're close enough to field in which somebody's resolving their trauma, then it can, it can translate to your own field and you could feel some resolution. Uh, many of the people that have responded to me about Prisoner Infinity, it's been more about they've become more aware of their trauma. <laughs> so, but at least that's a start, right? There have also been those who've said it's helped. It's led to an epiphany of some sort and it has led to a releasing. Yeah, I, I think that I think that it had for me as well. And I also you you sort of referenced two books in there too by uh I want to say the guy's name was Greg Morganson. Morganson yeah. and then uh, Donald Kalshed. So I read those books too after that. Yeah. And that helped too, but I don't know. I, I have sort of a, I think I have sort of a mental block on a lot of that as it relates to me personally, that I, I mean, I know something's there. I just can't, I can't penetrate it or really figure it out. And I don't know. I don't even know that that's necessarily figuring it out would even help me in the end. I, I really don't. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It doesn't. I mean, it, it's not guaranteed to, um, but if you have that bend, as I do or did, to try and figure things out, you, you don't want to bend yourself out of shape trying to get rid of it or, or deny it. So for me, writing has led me to where I am today, even the last book being the capstone of the Dark Pyramid with the exit, you know, the, the secret surprise exit, which seems to have worked out for me. I mean, I've, it's coincided with moving into nature and a whole new phase in my life where I just don't feel the need to figure out the configuration of hell or my own trauma. I think it's, I, as in the myths, I've done enough sorting of the seeds that something's moved in and is taking over and I can just let life be. And, and, and I'm very happy about that. But the point here was that I at least had to allow my mind to keep doing its thing and just little by little, um, uh, it's the sorting of the seas again in a different sense. Like 
let go of the strategies and the methods that clearly weren't working, which we've got in common. We know, you know, the superego, cosmic, shaman identification with big, dark narratives that ends up with, you know, occult Nazism or one other rabbit hole, one of these terrible rabbit holes that are there. Uh, letting go of that particular drive for power, let's simplify it, um, in using the intellect to gain power, but keeping the intellect its more benign function, which is, is, is to heal through understanding. There is like figuring out, uh, as I said, there's a part of us that can't not, it's the anomaly, isn't it? When you have, when there's something that the, that the brain can't understand, it just keeps going back to it. So the drive to figure out trauma because it's in the body is part of the body's attempt to heal. It's just that the mind can't do it. But what I've said a number of times is that me writing those books was a way to uh, get my awareness to start going into the parts of the body where the darkness was by focusing on it mentally. So really the mental stuff was just keep the mind distracted, but not not medicated, if you know what I mean. You can watch Netflix and distract the mind. That's not going to help. But if you distract your mind by trying to work out what happened in my past, as I did, in a way that's enjoyable and somehow it provides some sort of relief, then I think, and of course, there were other things going on, including working with Devashana, uh, renovating the house that I wrote about in Prison Infinity and starting a thrift shop and my marriage to my wife. So I certainly wouldn't say that writing those books was the main thing, but it did keep my mind, you know, give my mind something to do. Otherwise yeah. it would have interfered with the other stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of my goal as well, because, you know, my mind at this point is just so burned out after all these years of just looking into all these different things and, and trying to even just the whole being on this quest for truth thing and you know what I used to call way back when is being initiated and you know all of that and coming to the conclusion that all of that is just such it's such bullshit and it's just a, a rabbit hole that that kind of leads to nowhere and I'm just so burned out by it at this point that the only I feel the only option I have is to kind of unplug from the internet as much as possible. And which is difficult for me because my job, I, I work for the military industrial complex and I, you know, sit at a desk all day behind a computer and fix problems. And, you know, all of this stuff, it's, I'm sort of realizing now at, 44 years old it's just so it's all futility and unplugging from it is is my number one goal really because i think it's it's caused a lot of damage to me personally just the search and um never finding anything never finding what you're looking for mm -hmm. so for me i mean my my goal at this point this and it's i live in in an area where it's extremely cold. It's a lot of snow. It's very dark. Um, you know, so the only, only time that, that you really get to do anything is in the spring and summer when things warm up because, you know, days are short here. Um, and that's hard on you. And with, with this COVID nonsense, 
being locked in for the last year and plus having to endure these winners, it, it, it has a, a pretty, pretty nasty effect on your, your psyche. So for me, I'm, I'm pretty much chomping at the bit here for the weather to warm up a little bit more to get out into nature in a real way and get rid of all of these conveniences that, that we had. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I, I miss that time when smartphones and all this other stuff was not around. I mean, day in and day out, it's like, I, I hear people talking about this show on Netflix, that show on Netflix. And it's, you know, it's the same thing. Everybody's just sort of tapped into this, this electric beast. And I'm really trying to make my way out of it. And just, just as a way to, to get more grounded to try to fix these problems that, that I do have. Sure. Well, it's, it's a bit ironic because so much of what you said there echoes things that Dave's saying currently, and as well as my own orientation. And it's, there's another irony and perhaps it's the same one from a different angle that uh, those of us who really are in agreement about this necessary orientation away from the tech, away from the distractions of the global village social media nightmare uh, to nature are, are doing so on Zoom, right? So, but on the other hand, I mean, fuck, it's all we've got. You and I can't have this conversation without it. So as long as the orientation is, is, is being, you know, the grooves getting deeper, yeah, maybe we'll all end up at different pockets of nature on the planet and that's it. We'll never see each other again. But as long as we're doing that, you know, we're distributing yeah. around the globe and people yeah. are doing it. In the meantime, um, well, I have given up uh, Netflix for Lent. I didn't I didn't realize I was doing it, but it, it, it was decreed to me on some subtle level and I'm fairly happy about it. Uh, and it means I've got a lot more time in the evening and with the, ch the hour change in Spain now, it fits uh, for these Zoom meetings. I wish they weren't Zoom, frankly, because that's a brand like Netflix practically nowadays. But but anyway, the things that things there, there are things that the technology can facilitate, uh, and, and including the you know the some relief from the loneliness and the isolation. I wouldn't say that I suffer that greatly. Um, but then I am in nature. I'm not. I'm not confined to an apartment. Um, but I think there was. I mean, there's a lot more that you were saying because you're also saying about the search and how you were tired of seeking. And I think, and I think there's been a, a current running through this conversation from the start, which is, I would sum it up as, you don't really care at this point if there's a baby in the bathwater you just want to check it out pretty much <laughs> pretty much that's that's i would say that yeah that that's perfect mm. that's a perfect description of of how i feel about about almost everything these days i'm just i'm just tired of it and it's it's definitely been the last year that has pushed this. I mean, I used to, you know, there were various websites that I used to go to and read articles. And now I just, I can't even, I just can't even stomach it. It's just too much. It's, it's like you're, you're kind of, your soul is being projected into the internet and 
it's ugly to me. It's just, it's very ugly. And I, again, being trapped and cooped up in, in a house for a year and not being able to do much really makes you kind of look into yourself. And that's when I started almost right away. Cause I, for, for a while I was working from home as well. And you're just always indoors. It's, it's kind of like being a prisoner in, in your own home and it accelerates. It seems to accelerate things pretty quickly, especially my, uh, just being sick of everything <laughs> related to uh, the internet and Netflix and uh, TV shows. And I mean, I get asked pretty frequently, Hey, are you watching this show or did you see this movie? And it's like all people talk about. And I, I noticed too, it's to say people do this crazy movie talk. Like they've created their own language where they speak to each other in using lines from movies and they do it over and over and it's constantly repeating itself and nobody has a unique thought really they're this kind of talking a, through netflix this is in one of the early chapters of 16 maps of hell yeah i do remember it's about I do. phantoms of reality and how we allow ourselves to be possessed by the images and end up actually yeah. imitating the body movements <laughs> and repeating the lines and yeah. yeah possession cultural possession yeah but it's it feels like like something is brewing in me big time in you. and i felt it especially in december yeah. and it was it was one of those things where i mean i was ready to cash out of my retirement quit my job and do something and didn't know what but do something because it's just being trapped in it is to me, there's, there, it feels like there's an indignity to it and a real like lack of honor to continue on living that way when you know it's wrong and that, it, that it's, that it's damaging. Yeah. So yeah, it's, and that's why I'm saying, I think now that I'm not really searching and I realize the, this futility of this search for truth that's when all these massive, powerful, uh, emotive currents, I guess, are sort of pushing me in this direction that you know, I need to make very, very radical changes very quickly. And it, you know, this has been pretty much, I would say, the worst of it over the last three months, where it's been just incredibly difficult, you know, just going into work and even listening to people talk the way that they do. And there's no more good conversation. There's none of that. It's just, it's completely absent, completely absent. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm sort of viewed as kind of like a, a relic or something because I'll kind of jab at people when they start talking about stuff like this and using that sort of Netflix or Hollywood language for movies. And it's, it's weird. And I, I've seen it more now. It's just, it, it gets worse. I think as time goes on where um, people are just trapped and they, there's not even a, a, a unique thought. It's just movie talk, movie talk, television show, um, you know, things of that nature, TikTok videos or YouTube videos that go viral. Hey, have you seen this? Have you seen that? So then you're not in the thick yeah, of um... the rat race. 
Are you are you in the Midwest or something? Or because I am. Yeah, right. I'm in the northern northern Midwest. Well, I only guessed that because I'm saying you're not. It's clear you're not surrounded by liberal progressives who are talking about race and gender, so it could be worse. Oh, we have a lot of that up here too, though. Yeah. Okay. A lot of it. So I mean, especially in 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 Wisconsin, where where I'm at, it's 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 everywhere. Okay, but you didn't focus on that. Don't know. I mean, yeah, is it the same people talking about Netflix and movies, or is it a, different uh, a lot of them? I, I can yeah. see that that a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them are. It's 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 that type. Oh. So okay, All right. I would have thought that would be more exhausting. Was my point? So, I mean, at least you can just I don't know nod benignly if they're talking about the latest Netflix, whereas if they're telling you you're a racist because you've got white skin, then it's gets a yeah. little. Uh, well, stay calm well we well yeah and see we 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 get a lot of that that's that's pretty big here too um especially where i work i mean if you say even anything that that is even just benign statements or or you know real subtle jokes based on race or anything i mean people will they'll flay you here and you can lose your your livelihood doing it and i mean anytime that that anything like this is said it's only so we got to look over our shoulder 10 times before you say anything to make sure you're not gonna offend anybody and it's it's that whole thing too that bothers me because it used to be that that you could razz people pretty good just about anything and you have to really be careful today and it's it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate because i I remember those days being much more fun where mm-hmm. you could just kind of razz people and it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's like a, a loss of humor. And, and that's the scariest thing to me is that all of this talk of social justice and, and white people being uh, intrinsically racist, you, you sort of destroy humor altogether and things that are funny. And it's, it's almost like they want to create this, world of robots that don't think for themselves that don't have a sense of humor and i could never live i could never live that way where all humor is gone and everything is just stagnant and you have to know the right things to say and if you say certain key words you know you are cut out of society completely mm-hmm. and canceled mm-hmm. so it's we get that here too. So, I mean, it, it is the Midwest, but the Northern Midwest where I'm at, it's, it's extremely, extremely liberal, very progressive here. So I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of the few that, that is not that way and kind of sees things for how, how they are these days. Which can be pretty lonely and depressing. Yeah. Uh, which is what you're testifying to. Yeah. Um, it's making me wonder why you think a cult is such a bad idea. <laughs> well, you know I mean, what? The more I talk with you here, the more I'm, uh, I, I, I kind of see what you're saying. I mean, but in somewhat seriously, I wanted, kind of wanted to ask, you know, what's wrong with a cult? I, when the whole of society is a cult, why are we well, so it, afraid? Well, it's true. And I mean, in... in I pretty much grew up, I grew up in a cult basically that was run out of my, my parents' home and in, in the form of a, of a house church that they had, which was very religious, you know, people, 
sitting around in, in a circle, uh, singing hymns and, and things like that. And it was, it was very, very cult-like, very, very cult-like. And um, so, I mean, I'm not, I do get that, that everything is a cult, that society is a cult that, I mean, even, <clears throat> even the place that I work to some degree is a cult because, you know, they have people that, that sort of, you sign up for this thing and you have people that will walk around and they're sort of checking up on your mental well-being and physical well-being. And, you know, they have meetings and uh, lunch breaks where they all kind of like exercise or dance together. And, you know, to me, it's like, I, I look at that and I, I kind of say, well, I would never do that. I would never be a part of that because it's just kind of, I don't know, it comes off as sort of hokey to me. Mm -hmm. kind of goofy I just you know I'm kind of one of the guys on the side that's sort of poking fun at those people I guess and and maybe you know maybe there's a reason behind that that I don't even really understand so I just but you're right it is everything is sort of it is a cult so I mean I'm, I'm not opposed to ever listening in on on this or kind of observing it or, or participating in what you guys do to see it for myself, but this whole thing that began with me being an observer of, of Dave and some of the things that you were seeing, it just, cause I know you were talking about kind of having this play wall set up where you wanted to get face to face with people before you would allow them to see content. Do I have that? I have that right. Right. That's kind of, I, I realized that face to face was putting way too much, uh, creating way too much work for me. And I have to speak to everyone for half an hour before I even, no way. Yeah. Right. So it's just emails at this point. Yeah. Okay. So to me that that's, I sort of read that as that kind of smacked me in the face when I saw that. And I'm surprised. I see most people's response was the smart move you know, in the current climate. So I'm yeah. surprised because you've had such hairy experiences with your own uh, output. I did. Yeah, I did. And it was, and the thing was with that is it was the same, it was the same people back then as it is now that are doing these witch hunts against, you know, people that have their own beliefs and the and the things that they want to say and believe in and you know my my whole belief is that I really do believe in radical freedom that people should be allowed to think and live the way that they please without being you know berated and, and threatened and cut out of society completely for it and that's what I think that more than anything scares me about these days is being is how far they're going to be willing eventually to take this uh, banishment of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've heard of people getting, uh, losing their bank accounts and yeah, yeah, um, losing their livelihood. And that is what scares me because you know, I do have a, a kind of a, a shady background with things and um, you know, who knows, who knows what could become of that at some point so then why do you think that you were objecting to my doing it my my being safe being more cautious around that well i think there's well it depends on what you're being cautious about because i mean if you're <clears throat> i think that some things are safer than other things i mean if you start talking about issues of race Mm -hmm. or 
you start talking well, about... Well, I don't think you can second guess uh, the, the persecution drives, can you? And, and, and mine wasn't... I mean, I do. I'd say all kinds of things uh, online, and I might continue to do so that are politically correct. But it was more that on the verge of this kind of uh, collective scapegoating that is happening now, where anyone can get scapegoated at any time, and hence people are huddling more and more together to make sure it isn't them. But part of the way they make sure it isn't them is by scapegoating somebody else and shit, right? It's, it, yeah. can, it can snowball. Um, it seems less and less sensible for me to just be so open about what I'm doing, where I live, you know, just why would I be actually just being completely and utterly unguarded? Yeah. Yeah, at this time, yeah. that's number one. Number two is, uh, and I've discovered this, uh, you know, to my cost a number of times. Most people don't feel as free and easy about their lives as I do. So if I'm interacting with other people, and then it just ends up on the internet, they're not happy about that. So having a, a, a more protected space. Is, is good for building trust in general. The third thing is the only one where I could see why that does look like a cult, which is I, I want to meet people and actually get to know them and, and work together with them, right? So a bunch of people with a shared purpose and orientation, uh, well, that could just be a, a team of any kind, but it could, I mean, that's also one of the definitions of a cult, isn't it? Yeah. A bunch of people so with the same orientation. Yeah, so so on those terms, I I, I understand um, doing it that way. That makes perfect sense to me, especially with the way things are these days and, and needing to protect yourself. I, I get that, but I guess maybe the way that it looked is that you know things are sort of on fire right now. That there's um, you know things happening that you know you seem very excited about, and then setting up the play wall. And then that in combination with the whole fact that I just can't get around this whole enlightenment thing, it just sort of, and it's probably just me. And that's the thing. It probably is just me. I'm not no, saying no, it no. looks this way it's to everybody. No, no, it's not this okay. yet. That's partly why I want to talk to you. I mean, we already want, we're going to talk. And I thought, oh, this is a golden opportunity because there'll be, there'll be other people feeling similar to how you're feeling. And so... Let me have it. You know, I still want to see some of the, the raw rage that it's triggered. I, 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 I'm, I'm not smiling because I don't take it seriously, but because yeah. we, you know, we, we, we're simpatico. So I know I don't feel it's going to be directed at me, but that yeah. it that it did trigger those feelings is is valid in my opinion. Yeah. And again, I, I guess that. <sighs> the whole thing. And I, I think it just stems from when you are searching for, you know, how, when you first get started, when you're younger and you're looking for truth and you have these vultures that kind of come out and they say, well, they're enlightened, whether it's somebody you're reading in a book or somebody that you actually meet. And I know you have experiences with this, especially with uh Deruder, I think it was and yeah, yeah. other people where you know, they, they kind of present themselves as something that they're not. And they're always extracting your energy in some way. They're just kind of like these vampires. And I always, after years of sort of looking for this truth, anytime I hear the word enlightenment, it just, oh, it just really makes me cringe, badly cringe, because it, it takes me back to those 
it takes me back to those predators and those people that do that. And, you know, there's been books obviously written about these people that, that do this and they, they kind of, you know, ruin people's lives really. And they just, they damage them. So my whole thing, I guess the, the thing I just really still don't fully understand is that term. And I, I, I desperately want to understand that term enlightenment mm-hmm. and what it means. And I, I mean, personally, I feel it should just be just thrown out completely. It's just such an ugly word to me. Mm-hmm. But again, that's just me. That's cancel culture there. It is. It's so it used is the yeah. E word. It's been tainted. <laughs> it, is. And I, it is. And but like I said, I, I really believe in 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 radical freedom where people should be allowed without fear of, of being well, especially, especially if they got enlightened, what, what would an enlightened <laughs> person do? Like, oh my God, I can't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I, I get that, but it's, it's, it's what that means and, and me still not fully grasping what it means. And I would love to know what it means. So, I mean, if we're talking about um, being in some kind of equilibrium with nature, I'm on board 100% with that. And I, I get that. And uh, gaining back the cosmos, I guess, is as D.H. Lawrence would say, something that we lost, where we're back to being a productive part of the environment and in nature, whereas now we're kind of cut off and live in houses and driving cars. And, you know, I'm not saying that we need to give everything up, like, you know, and live like Ted Kaczynski in the wilderness of Montana. I'm just saying that we do need it. We do need to be tapped back into that nature, back into that world soul somehow, because I think all the diseases and all this, these really ugly uh, mental deficiencies people have that's leading to this cancel culture is, is a product of synthetic culture of not being in nature and not being in equilibrium with nature. So, I mean, if that's enlightenment, I, I get that, and I'm well, for you, that. You're sounding like Dave now, I have to say. Yeah. So, you might be have to be careful, because you might get enlightened, <laughs> or people might start saying you're enlightened, and then you'd be in a double bind. Don't, yeah. don't say yeah. that! Don't call me that! You have the right to call me that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like Fletcher Christian Staring out across the sea Torn apart by duty shackles The twisted tongue Well, I sucked hard 
So, yeah, okay, so being whole, becoming whole. Yeah. Now, the, the very word whole is, uh, it's its own proof. Like, nobody could say there's no such thing as wholeness. It makes no sense, does it? Right? It does not, right. If you see an apple with a bite out of it, you can't say there's no way that that apple was ever whole. I mean, it's the opposite. If you see the bite out of the apple, you know that something's missing. So the very yeah. fact that we know about fragmentation, we know about trauma, we know about distortion, we know about misery, we know about dysfunctionality, we know about disconnect from nature, is, is, is that we know that there's a lack of something or something's gone wrong, and therefore that there is such a thing as rightness. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, I, it's curious because you're saying that if you understood what enlightenment was, or that you're saying that you want to understand it, and if it's that, then that's great. Is that is that all it takes for you not to dislike the word? I think so. Yeah, I, I think it is because it's it's such a loaded word anyway. Um, because it's been it's, defined, it's, it's been peddled and defined by by. Uh, well, cheats, lies, and cheats, and pretenders. It's yes. been exploited. It's been used as a, a manipulation. Right? But it so has, has love. So has the word love. Yes. How many people use the word love to control others and get yeah, things from exactly. them? So, but I mean, of course, as I say, you're not alone. And I was there too. Dave said he was enlightened. When I first heard that, I, I reacted to. It's not yeah. my idea of enlightenment. I, I had an idea about enlightenment, which is slightly different. From, well, no, it's not. You also have an idea about it. But to you, it's, it's something dark and destructive, weirdly. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's, it was something so out there that I looked at Dave and just said, sorry, you're not it. And that, I think there's, a, there's some sort of convergence there because um, the, the kind of enlightenment I was looking for when I met Dave, or thinking that it meant, is the, also the kind that you're suspicious of, and uh, and Dave, he, he didn't, he isn't. Whatever he's calling enlightenment is something else. It's close to what you were saying. So it's just yeah. about being natural, about becoming fully natural. However, we're so badly traumatized, in my opinion, we're so far removed from our natural selves that. Enlightenment isn't too big a word for it, I don't think. I think it is, it's almost incomprehensible, or not almost, I think it is incomprehensible uh, and, and perhaps almost inconceivable 
to most of us, except under the guise of the package and brand, branding of Enlightenment, you know, TM, whether it's Andrew Cohen or Osho or etc. You know, there's been all these yeah. all these people who've managed to package and market it in such a way that say, oh, I want that. And I'm, obviously Dave can't help but end up from the outside being, um, you know, clustered with those. You know, there's nothing obviously different about how he's presenting himself on the internet. I mean, not including yeah. his, his embodied stuff, but the, yeah. the website and the, the language. Yeah, and that's sort of what I saw too when I when I was looking into when I was looking into Dave, um, is that he was kind of listed among I don't remember what website it was. It was like spiritual teachers or something, and it seemed it seemed like not a lot of difference between the people that would define enlightenment as this state of 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 oneness that's kind of detached from the body and detached from the natural world and you know the same kind of people that say oh you know death is just this uh you get rid of one outfit you put on another outfit or it's just a a dropping away of a veil these simple things and it's like man i've been close Mm. enough to death to tell you that it's not that simple it's there's a lot of very serious powerful energies released Mm. when you're close to that state. And when, you know, dying is not this, uh, you know, simple case thing where you just quietly pass on to this higher existence. If, if you're enlightened or if, if you're not enlightened, it's, it's very different. So anytime I hear, hear that from these enlightened teachers that I've read all over the internet over the years too, it just seems very, very contrived, very fake. And, you know, they have these keywords that they always use. And it's, it's usually, you know, things like oneness and uh, you know, at the most fundamental level, we're all God and in this really cheap uh, you know, these cheap definitions of, of what enlightenment is. And, and I think maybe the issue is that I I'm, I'm sort of lumping him in there when I shouldn't be, because I don't understand. I don't, I didn't understand the term of enlightenment. So it's, it, it, it's a, it's a term that, that is clearly being thrown around a lot, at least. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm paying too much attention to it and I'm just fixating on it when I shouldn't be. And, and that could, and again, I, it's probably me, which I said from the beginning, it's probably just me. Well, it's not just uh, you, it's, but it's, it is you. I mean, you're, you're the one who's having the experience um and i'm sure you know there's a there's a there's going to be a whole bunch of things converging um i mean the dynamic here or part of it that i'm aware of is that you have some degree of trust for me and respect mm-hmm. and i'm I've introduced you to something that rings alarm bells for you and that normally you would dismiss without a second glance because you you just, not just you, exactly. I mean, this isn't just you because it just naturally, I mean, the day thing just naturally fits, apparently naturally uh, fits with a whole bunch of other associations and a whole bunch of other suspects, right? And so you're you're throwing out the bathwater because you're convinced there's no baby in it. I'll rephrase it. 
it's not really that you don't care. I think if you really felt there was a baby in there, you would take more care. And it was occurring to you while we're talking that you might be in danger of scapegoating an innocent because you've seen all of these hucksters and, and cheaters and liars who say they're enlightened and you quite rightly think they should all be put out of a job. I was going to put it more strongly. Yeah, they should be made to clean toilets. Um, but what if, what if Dave is different? What if there was somebody who had, who reached wholeness, decided to call it enlightenment, and he ends up being rounded up with all the others right? by by your decree? That that would be sure. a shame, wouldn't it? It would be a shame. It, it absolutely would be a shame. And you know, I, I I didn't mean to put it that strongly. If I did, it's you know, the, the ones that, that I'm referring to, and I don't, I'm not saying that Dave is like this. Um, the ones I'm referring to are the predators that are out there and they're, they're out there and they've been out there for a very long time. And I, I remember reading a book, I think it was called Stripping the Gurus, where it went into kind of personal stories going all the way back to Ramakrishna, you know, back, you know, 120, 130 years ago that, that these guys, it's nothing new that they would just prey on people. Yeah. So, I mean, people like that, I mean, we, we you know, you, you would give them the treatment, you would really give any other criminal that, that's trying to uh, you know, rip people off or steal from them or, or cause harm to them. Um, and I'm not saying that that's what Dave's doing. And, and by the sounds of it, that's not at all what he's doing. But, you know, I'm coming in as someone that has not ever been to any of these meetings who is looking at the fact that you're, you're kind of, we're putting up this play wall and then, I, you know, kind of putting two, two and two together with it. That's just my observation on it. Uh-huh. And that's what got me fired up when I sent you that email, like, Hey, you know, I did look through this, but you know, this is what I feel about it. This is a really bad term that I think has a lot of misunderstanding to it, especially in this case, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding to it. So, you know, that's was what was behind my email pretty much. So where do we go from here then? What, what do you think? What do you think is the underlying, uh, I want to say reason for our talking, but what would be the, the best result? Well, think? I guess I would join your cult at least for a little while. From my point of view, that would be <laughs> <laughs> to uh yeah join your cult and you know have a look around and just see see what's there because i i am i am very curious to hear more i mean if if my understanding of that term as far as the way that dave defines it if, if that's off then that's that's on me and i i would have to listen i, w- I would listen i mean i wouldn't pass it up mm. i mean i really wouldn't i wouldn't pass it up just because I misunderstood it, so. Well, so I mean that, but that you did come up with a result that seemed to fit with mine, what I would hope for. But I'm surprised that I mean, wouldn't because that would be you checking something out, and yeah, that would be generous of you to give the benefit of the doubt based on this, you know, our talking and you trusting me. But presumably, there would be some better result for you than simply that you were willing to check it out. 
Well, what, what kind of results? I'm, maybe I'm not well, following. I don't know. I mean, why why would you be willing to take it out? Would it be simply because you you want to make sure that I'm okay and I don't need rescuing from a cult, or would it be? Well, no. I I know that I know that you wouldn't need res, rescuing from a from a cult, but I, I just if it's well, I guess what I what I'm trying to say is that it, I think this whole thing is a misunderstanding on my part as far as that term enlightenment and I'm always willing to look at something. I'm not saying that I would, you know, willy nilly drop everything. Yeah. And start becoming a part of this. I mean, I would, I'm always going to want to investigate something. I mean, I think even before I started talking with you, I mean, I investigated, you know, the things that, that you wrote and the things that you looked into before I just, you know, jumped headlong into it and, and kind of having dialogue with you. I mean, I, I wouldn't just do that with anybody, especially if, you know, they're crazy. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I would give it a shot because I think it's fair to give it a shot and to listen to what goes on there before I would come to this conclusion that, yeah, this is a cult and it's a burgeoning cult. It's just getting started but again, it all just boils down to that word and how people understand that word. At Maybe. least for me, it's just it's, it's hard for me to get around because, again, I loathe, I loathe that word. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you said that. But, I mean, Dave hardly uses the word and I hardly use it. So I know that doesn't matter if it's a trigger word for you. But, but still... Uh... Uh, although that might be the primary obstacle or the primary trigger, there's got to be more to it in terms of your or some anyone's, including mine, uh, knee-jerk, if, if I want to say that, or just um, visceral resistance to being drawn into uh, some kind of group activity that is promising something really, really amazingly good, right? Yeah. There's well, going to be some resistance to that. For some people, others are like, oh, let me in, let me in. Oh, but, I'm, not saying, not, yeah, right. I'm not saying that there's no, I'm not saying that there's no resistance to it on my part even. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there is, even if I were to go into it, I think that there's automatically going to be resistance on my part to it. Right. I mean, and that's not knowing, and I don't, again, I don't know what, goes on in in these meetings or, or the kind of things that that are discussed necessarily I, I don't i can only go by what i've read on your site and, and listened to but i i can tell you there would there would be resistance on my part and this would just be me sort of observing it firsthand for myself you know and i i <clears throat> i'm not saying that it, it is a cult or that it is. I'm just saying that that's what, as an outside observer looking in, when I first came across this over the last day or so, just as an outside observer watching, that's that was just the appearance, and that's what I was relaying to you, that that was the appearance of it. Um, but I, sure. I have resistance. I have resistance with everything and anything, even um, no matter what I get into. I mean, I always kind of enter into it with a little bit of disbelief and not knowing where it's going to lead. And, and a lot of times, you know, considering that I've looked into so many things over the last 20 years, you know, my, and it's, it's 
probably a bad trait on my part that I usually go into something with the realization that the end result is not going to be good for me. That's a fact. That's how I am. That's my personality. You go in with the realization, did you say? Yes. You mean the suspicion. You go in with yes. the suspicion yep. and it turns yep. out to be true. Yep. Yes. Right. right. So that's not a good track record. I could see why you, why you would be thinking, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot yeah. of it, I think a lot of it stems from when you're around, when you're around these people that sort of are always, you know, in this realm willing to take advantage of you, you sort of suspect that they're going to be working some kind of an angle on you some way, whether they want your attention, whether they want your money, whether they want your wife or daughters, you know, anything like that. So that's why I say I walk into everything very suspiciously. And I, I will say this, and, and I wrote about it on Luminosity too, that, you know, in the late 90s, I was in a cult, a legit cult that, and I was in there for two years, where you know, they did want to isolate you. They wanted to isolate you away from your family and sort of get, get you on board with what they were teaching. And, and, you know, their whole idea was that sell, what they would call is salvation is in the body politic only. So what that meant to them is that if you're not a part of this community, you are eternally, you're, you're eternally fucked. You are going to burn in hell. There's no hope for you. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. And the thing was, is that they did not like certain members of my family. Okay. They did not like certain members of my family. And I was forced at one point to make a decision. Are you with us or are you going to go back to your family? Because at the time, what they wanted me to do is they wanted me to leave my girlfriend and my daughter and move down to where they were at because they just did not like her. And they pretty much wanted to break up the family, get me down there. Because, I mean, I think at the time when I was I was in my early 20s, um, I was extremely impressionable and I was also extremely willing to do things for them that they had asked. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And to add on to that, I also had to give 10% of anything that I made to that. I think. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I say that when I had these harsh realizations of, of what life is, when people tell me that, they are, how do you say it, that they're enlightened or that they have something to offer that I need, I always walk into it suspiciously. I think that, <clears throat> I think that, I think that people are crazy not to do that, I guess. And that's my perspective on it. No, I would agree with that last part. And uh, particularly if I were you, I mean, if I had a, a well, I do, uh, a tendency to, um, be naive to enter into things uh, naively. Um, although I didn't join my cult, my official cult experience wasn't until my 40s. So, you know, I couldn't even blame it on youthful folly. Um, I didn't realize how susceptible I was. I think you, you, you obviously didn't realize it in your 20s, but you certainly found out. And you probably had some suspicion because you grew up in a cult-like environment, as you said. Yeah. Um, but in any event, we're all susceptible. I say, all your everyone you speak to is in the cult of Netflix currently, and you can't get yeah. them to talk about anything else. Right? So I think what I would juxtaposition 
this thing about a cult with is human groupings, human gatherings. I have to say with a proviso that I never like using the word group around Devo Shaning, which isn't only the Devo Shaning now, because I have these affinity groups, including a men's group. So there's been an intersection with, and here language fails me again, my audience, quote unquote. Now I wouldn't want to put someone like you in the group of my audience. You're somebody I know personally, but anyway, you've read whatever. Hopefully you won't be offended. My audience overlaps with Dave's audience. And so there are groups, gatherings that from, from both, right? So for me, it was a cult, you know, I run it, right? I co-run it, which is the only cult I would ever join. Anyway, I always said that. Um, but my point was, is that I don't like using the word group because, um, because it's always different individuals, never the same. And there isn't this thing that was with John Deruta that if you leave, you'll be, it's not the opposite, because that would be just like, you know, we don't care if you're here or not. And that would be not very warm. But there are people who come for a while and then they go, and I was gone for several years, and then they come back. There's, 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 anyway, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm trying to defend it, but I'm, I'm merely defining or describing why the idea of group doesn't quite fit for me with, with this field thing, with this experience, because um, it's a moving, you know, collective. And that was also preamble to juxtaposition the idea of a cult with the idea of human groupings or human gatherings. Because um, I've noticed in myself and in others, <clears throat> and particularly others you know, that I know and I feel close to, so I think it's a shared affinity, that's a tautology, isn't it? Um, we're outsiders, that we have a distrust of, of joining any collective or gathering, never mind whether it's a cult. It's just like, no, I'm alone. I do it my own way. I go my own way. Don't want to be part of the family. Thanks very much. It didn't work out very well the first time. So, but I don't feel that that's true, like you're saying about your rage and your anger. And, and, my, and so for me, my suspicion, my distrust, my fear, my uh, uh, around just being part of being getting together with other human beings and and um, sharing love and community, uh, I feel is healthy. I feel it's very, very healthy and not just that necessary. I feel it's absolutely necessary. So that, to me, is what's going on. What's going on here? So if it yeah. looks like a cult, well, how could it not, really? Because especially if you put the E word in there, then yeah, it's kind of done deal from the outside. Sure. Right? So yeah. you can't avoid it. You actually can't avoid those appearances, really, unless we just pretend and just you know talk about net, create a code where it seems like we're talking about Netflix, but actually, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I guess it's a matter of, um, you know, just kind of seeing for myself and, you know, it's just when you have a bad track record on this stuff, again, like I have, it's, you kind of enter in, it's just a lot of disbelief. It's like, yeah, what's this going to turn into? What problems is this going to cause me? And it's, it's a real negative way to look at it. And I get that. It's definitely a negative way to look at it, but I, I have probably more experience than than most people when it comes to uh the evolution of of these groups and and the things that can happen over time and and how personalities just naturally change over time and they you know they 
their motives might be different when they start in comparison to how they are three, four years down the line. And then, you know, people are always kind of seeking out power and ways to, to gain supremacy and, and <clears throat> authority over people. So it's suspicion on my part, definitely. Well, and, I would say, I mean, yeah, that's based on experience, but it's also, I mean, the experience is valid because yeah, that's what happens when, that's what happens, right? So it's, it's, it's the social, uh, social program. So it's not to say you're wrong, but I think it's similar to the thing about, well, so many of us have fucked up and broken that there couldn't ever be wholeness. It's not logical, is it? Right? It's not. There could be wholeness, you, you know that. Uh, and maybe it does exist and maybe we can rediscover it. So I think the same is true of human groupings. Just because we've never got it right doesn't mean we should give up because there isn't anything else. Right. Agreed. I, I agreed. I agree totally with that statement. Totally. And I, I don't think that that anybody should give up on that, especially um, especially considering the times that we're, we're living in right now. And the fact that people are don't seem really fully human as mm. it is. Mm. And you know, that's been a big that's been a big um, issue for me lately, too. And and um, even a little bit before this whole COVID thing started is that <clears throat> it's very, there's very few people that I know personally that I can even have a in-depth conversation with that has substance to it. Um, you know, everything else is, is practically, it's almost prehistoric in nature and, and, you know, barely above grunts and groans with a lot of people. And, finding people that are able to talk that are not extremely damaged by modernity in general is, is really difficult these days. And, you know, I see a lot of people, you know, a lot of the people that you talk to, um, uh, a lot of people that um, there's some other people out there too, that, that I listen to, but uh, it just seems a rarity these days. And for me living where I'm at, I mean, I'm very cut off from a lot of that. And especially over the last year, cut off from it. But it's it's one of the things that I miss because it seems like you know when the internet sort of took hold and and everything kind of got out of control and everybody's faces in their phone is that we used to have like much better conversations <laughs> with one another. It was just more to talk about, and now it's just it's one of the it's it's very depressing for me personally because there's so few people that I can talk to, and I, I really. I don't talk much about things that I see on Netflix or, or current events or anything of that nature, because I just, there's nothing in me that sees anything very pleasing about that stuff. It's always bad news. It's always dark. It's always just, you know, one reason that people are probably talking about Netflix the whole time is because it's not safe to talk about anything else. Yeah. As soon as you start talking about what's going on, COVID masks, vaccines, you get in an argument as in, probably 30 seconds chances yeah. are because there's so yes. little agreement yeah now yeah and, so and it's, it's so charged the disagreement's getting more and more charged as well like, it know. is it really is and and that's why and I, I used to be not afraid to even talk about certain things and, and to an extent i'm still not um but now i'm i'm much more cautious these days than than i ever was before and it sort of feels like we're we're an island here because my family and I were not as 
um, patched into all of this. You know, I don't, I don't let my kids just watch whatever they want and uh, do whatever they want. And, you know, there's a lot of music in this house, um, you know, a lot of very creative things here. So I'm trying to make them not be like everybody else. And that's difficult too, because, you know, they obviously see that their friends, you know, listen to this kind of music or are into this sort of thing. And, you know, parents that are really out of touch with their own kids don't really pay much attention to them. Whereas we're, you know, really trying to help them along and get them into things that are more creative and have more depth to them. And <clears throat> seeing these kids today, a lot of them are not like that. It's, it's a very, the culture is very dead when it comes to the human personality, very dead. It's almost scary, you know, and, and I have, <clears throat> I have two grandkids as well. And my daughter, my oldest daughter is very holistic in that regard because, you know, she's buying land. She wants to be able to homestead with her husband and her family and farm and have a farm. And she's working on all that now. And um, you don't see a lot of that anymore. And especially just these days, you just don't see it. And it's, it's hard to find people with depth, even for them, which is also unfortunate. So, you know, it's just, it's a sign of the times and very tragic.
You're sounding like Dave again, I have to tell yeah. you this. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty uncanny, yeah, actually. This, yeah. and so this could be a selling. You, you, could, you could be thinking, he's just saying that to try and get me in, but <laughs> I'm not. But yeah, and it, it's it's finding communities around here. I mean, <clears throat> we've even we've even a couple times looked into um, churches nearby. You know, things that that where you you get a little bit more of yeah. that holistic sort of thing. But you know, we had experiences with that as well, where it's like the people were uh, the the pastor would have in his sermon, he would like include talking about football and about again about shows on netflix and it's like you know it's like am i in the twilight zone here where <laughs> before my eyes human language has just did this inversion or this absolute corruption where everybody's patched into this ugly beast and nobody nobody can live without it and it's hard to find people that have this mindset that mm-hmm. want to be more creative, more substance, more depth. Um, but even as far as churches, it just, that doesn't even work out. So and again, you know, yeah. we're not even, we're not even religious. I mean, I, I, I used to be Christian. I'm not Christian anymore. My wife has always kind of had, she had a rough time growing up in, in the Episcopalian church. And, you know, she's kind of, she's kind of hostile to it so it's it's hard to find good people it's hard to find good people that 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 kind of think along the same lines that you do these days well exactly exactly my point and yes it would be wonderful lovely and i am having something of an experience like that living in the middle of nowhere in galicia in the, the people I meet are farmers who just live in the middle of nowhere in Galicia. So they're, they're relatively good people and they're definitely not going to be talking about Netflix. But we're not getting together to, you know, save humanity or anything like that because, you know, they, they, they got other things to do. they got cows to take care of. And there isn't a, a sense of affinity at the mental level. Let's just put it that way. So... Um, yeah, and it's it's the sense of community in any community that you live in. I mean, we live in a pretty small town. Yeah, um, the odds aren't just, good, right? For for really meeting kindred spirits. They are, they are, and and it was because the first year we were here, you know, they would have things like uh, they would have these Christmas parades in town, and they would have these musical gatherings at this park, and you know when the the virus came. Um, everything got shut down and everybody's closed off and you can't see the expressions on, on people's faces anymore. And that sense of community is just, it's, it gets wiped out. It gets completely wiped out. And um, yeah. I think that is that that's what, what people should be involved in participating in, in their individual communities. I think it's extremely important, but how do you, participate in a community when you're completely locked you're completely locked away all the time and you're made to wear these face coverings that sort of take away a piece of your humanity and you you can barely even talk to people without them you know being terrified that they're going to get sick or something so i know it's it's a weird situation and it it feels 
it feels very apocalyptic in a way because, you know, this sort of thing that I, that I see now is the sort of thing that I was raised up on when I was a kid that, well, the world's going to end. It's going to be, you know, these seven plagues let loose on humanity. And I don't even really believe that there's a virus, but I do believe that there's a really weird apocalyptic situation going on, but it doesn't look the way that we thought it was going to look. Well, there may not be a virus, but there's definitely a vaccine and you're not going to be able to buy or sell or trade or travel without it. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. unless things change, whatever, there might be a, this might be a red herring, but currently yeah. it does look, I mean, classic, classically apocalyptic in some ways. That yeah. The boxes are being ticked. Um, and even the Christians, I mean, most of the Christians presumably aren't talking about the vaccine as the mark of the beast. They're probably lining up to get it. They are. They are. That's 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 definitely true, because I, I think the, the church used to be sort of a community that was it was set aside from from the world in a way, from from the bad parts of, of the world. It was it's kind of a community unto itself. And, and they used to be aware of things like this. But but now it, it's become so secularized that there really is no difference anymore between that worldly community and any church that you, you would go to on the corner. And I mean, there's, it, it's almost like a, a corporate social group in a way they're, they're on every corner practically in every city, every town. And what they have to say in there is, is oftentimes it's not very different from what, you know, somebody is going to say on television or on Netflix or wherever it's it's all the same. It's it's not sort of a set apart community, which is what it was designed to be, where you were really uh, in compassion, looking out for one another as that as members of that community. It's it's just not it's just not what it used to be, and not even what I remembered when I was a kid. Mm. Well, I come from being part of the community at Hope. And it was you know, when I left in uh, December, I had to get here in time for Brexit. Um, the masks hadn't come, you know, the, the body snatchers hadn't snatched all the bodies yet in, in my little town in Hope. They were coming though, of course, they're coming everywhere. Um, and also, although I was part of the community, if I hadn't been running a thrift store, I wouldn't have been. It's not as though I wanted, I didn't, we never had guests over. This is my point about kindred spirits being hard to find, whether there's mask wearers or not. Uh, I mean, obviously it's getting worse very rapidly as, you, as you've been testifying, but it's never been easy for me to find kindred spirits full stop. Uh, the internet obviously revolutionized that. And then this current thing, as you notice, there's a kind of energy and excitement around what I'm doing, which might seem a bit cult-like, uh, because I'm really, I'm really finding kindred spirits now. And it's like an elixir, because you know, I've had hundreds of listeners and readers for, for years. I've been doing this stuff for years, but now it's really drawing out the elixir, finding the, the kindred spirits in there. They're not just fans, they're not just followers, readers. Who they, you know, they like this, that, or the other, or they like my analytical mind. <clears throat> Whatever else it is, it's, it's just more of a heart-soul, body connection happening there. And um, I feel it's it's leading towards a real 
community because that's what we're trying to build i say we i mean i'm kind of alone here my sister's doing her thing but my thing is separate from her thing and my wife isn't here yet so it's just me and my cat trying to lay the groundwork for an actual physical community not commune i'd never want to live on a commune right but they have these abandoned villages here you can buy a house renovate it and there might be six other houses in the area that are also abandoned other people could come buy them and little by little it could turn into a little village and uh i mean who knows what kind of you know, surveillance and policing is coming in the future, but currently it seems as though one doesn't have to follow the rules if you're just in the middle of nowhere in an abandoned village. They're not, I don't think they're going to try and police the outliers because I think they'll just leave us to the wilderness. That's what yeah. I'm ho- hoping, otherwise we're just fucked, right? So the thing is, is just to get, I don't want to say off the grid because that's a, that's a cliche, but just get more, um, organized in nature and start growing vegetables and raising animals and so on and get to know the locals and then bring in kin- if, if kindred spirits can come in if it's possible to import or export export would be the word the the internet community that is building up with dave and myself uh, at least parts of it to places in nature then then that's that's it. That's mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. Because yeah. yeah, I wanna I wanna give up all tech well, I don't know about all, but at least have a like a quarantine tech room, you know, where it was yeah. with lead walls or something and you gotta unlock five padlocks to go in, kind of right. So you still have it maybe, but it's not just constantly, you know, bleeding mm-hmm. into your consciousness the whole time and leeching off your awareness. It's yeah. it's isolated and it's functional, the technology. And then the rest more and more oriented towards nature, which is our own nature as well, of course, interfacing with nature at large and each other, you know, human nature, humans, humans being together in nature. It's the oldest, you know, setup there is. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 yeah. Yeah. And that's, <clears throat> that's what I'm trying to do as well is to um, just kind of keep it at a minimum as far as the amount of time I spend on, on electronics, which again is really hard to do. And it, my job is sort of a part of that. But, um, you know, I, I hate to say it because it, it's kind of a provocative thing to say, but <clears throat> it's almost like, you know, the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski was a bit ahead of his time. I mean, I'm, I'm totally against that kind of violence and that sort of just slaughter of people. It's wrong. But you know, when you, you read the guy's stuff and you sort of see that he was speaking out against the evils of this for, you know, 30 years before any of it happened, it's just kind of like you sort of view him as this mad prophet in a way that he was, you know, calling the soullessness of, of you know, what this technological uh world what it would bring to people and how it would sort of just destroy us little by little and and to me and when i look at it 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 really has it it seems to have just really done something severe to the human personality and you know it's 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 almost sad to say that a guy that's a, a serial killer was somebody that kind of figured this out before his time and I just, it's one of those things I just don't know what to make of it. I really, really uh, well, well, I guess I'll 
take a take a chance here and juxtapose Dave with Ted Kaczynski then I have to edit this out but uh, I would say that Dave is exemplifying well I hope I am too maybe you are too he's exemplifying um, how to save the baby in the bathwater of someone like Ted Kaczynski how to have a perspective that is ruthlessly uh, unflinching willing to gaze you know unflinchingly at the reality and, and speak it speak what we see you've been doing it today and not say we need to blow up buildings you know not not go i mean he was probably mind controlled ted kaczynski yeah and, and yeah, the sad yeah. part here is is that now as, as an exemplary for the state which is what he is the scapegoat and an exemplary uh for their propaganda now people can say if you start speaking your truth the truth not your truth um you sound like Ted Kaczynski, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're domestic T-E-R-R-O-R, right? Uh, is now a, a big thing in uh, here where you are. So, so, um, so, yeah, that's an unfortunate result that that's the best example that you've come up with with somebody who really saw how bad things were and, and we've heard of him, right? Yeah. Well, we've only heard of him because he blew up some buildings. We haven't heard of him because he... He saw what was going on and wrote about it. So um, I think that, and this is where it's got very intense recently at my site and with Dave's thing, is that he is, as I have, testifying, uh, expressing uh, from a very visceral place how bad things are, how serious things are, and more than I've ever really done, he's saying there is a way, there is an exit, there is an exit, and it's not violence, it's the opposite of violence, relaxation, breathing, yeah. uh, sleeping well, I mean, real simple, getting back to the real simple basics. Now, of course, it has, it's huge, you know, when, when we start centering, getting centered in our bodies and, and tuning into the intelligence of nature, and of course it ripples out into cosmic dimensions and so there is this whole metaphysical it's not like all that goes away but the real basic work is um something we've done for thousands of years and we've just forgotten how to do and it's pretty absurd that we need uh apocalyptic rants and apparent cult formations to just remind people to just get back to what matters but that's the state we're in. It is the end times. And we don't, I mean, how it happened and how long it's been going on. Some of us can see that, he, well, you know, Dave was calling it humanity. I don't like that term. I like human energy field because I thought it was a better term. That the human organism, not just physically, but psychically, is, 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 is dying, is self-destroying. Never mind the planet, right? Uh, so, I don't know, I mean, time, time's running out, and to me, it is urgent to connect to the people that I feel will receive the message and, and support, or be supported, or be helped, you know, I don't care if it comes off as a cult, I really don't, unless it's one, I'm, you know, I do care if you feel that way, because I want you to participate, just well, I mean, we can get to that. Why do I? Well, hopefully I've expressed why. We need all the men we can get. So yeah, yeah.
Understood. Understood. Um, one question I had for you too, is that in one of your later posts, I don't know if it was just the last one. Um, I think you had an excerpt from your book. Mm, about humanity. Um, That's the yeah, old Aeolus stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and you kind of, let me see if I can find it. You got your nose in your phone there, Dan. I do. <laughs> well, you sort of mentioned, you know, we were kind of talking about the demiurge in that in that excerpt. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it was sort of strange because it sort of had this Gnostic feel yeah. to it. Well, that's because my Aeolus campus days. I, ho I hoped I'd contextualize that. So don't you know? Don't take this too seriously. Yeah. That, no. No. Yeah. And and I I didn't. I just thought it was it was very interesting because it's sort of the way that I, I view things now. It's not that I believe that the, the physical reality is, is built up by this evil demiurge that's trapping us for loose or, or emotion or anything like that. It's, it's kind of like the synthetic world we live in is the false creation. It's kind of like a cataract that's mm -hmm. placed over the real world. And I just thought that I thought that quote was really interesting because it made me think of that. Mm. And that's kind of how I see it is that it's, you know, there is sort of a demiurge, but it's, it has its life inside of people. Mm. And it's the people that are sort of building up this electronic technocracy and which is kind of stealing away the human soul little by little. Yeah. So I, I just, I like that you had placed that. I thought it was placed really well in there. And it just kind of made me think about that because you know, that used to be one of the things I used to write about, too, is this sort of real Gnostic interpretation of reality. And little did I ever realize that I would kind of come to this understanding that the real world was actually the physical world being embodied, you know, in a human body, mm -hmm. in experiencing pain and, and uh, happiness and, and good things and bad things. Because, you know, the way that I used to view all of that is that now this is you know, we're being preyed upon by some unseen entity that um, that just wants us for food, basically. And I think a lot of people feel that way because the world is, it's just so fucked up these it days. It is now, yeah. Yeah, well, I think I think that's complementary, those things that you're talking about, because I think that, that the Gnostic paradigm somehow has been invisibly prevalent in some way and that it's coming into form with transhumanism because they have the belief that physical reality is evil, which is Christian too, I mean, bad Christian, yeah. let's say. Uh, of course, leads to dissociation and is you know, intensified by a tip dissociation because the less time we're in nature and the body, the, the more difficult it gets to be there. And so it does lead us to create these um, artificial realities to escape into and so we end up fulfilling creating the very world that we believe that nature was the prison we create an artificial prison because nature is too is too threatening to us it is so it yeah is. i feel like you do now that nature's the way out yeah that's that's exactly how i see it and and it's funny because so much of conspiracy like a lot of the conspiracy talk and things that go on is it, it looks like it's just kind of a manifestation of that mindset where people are just so they're, they're aware of the evil that's, that's there. And when they kind of reason their way out of it, they're so accustomed to being tapped into this, to this world that, 
it's it's kind of like this autonomous belief that they have about a demiurge that created this world and and it's it's like they're 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 close to having the truth of it but there's also so far yet at the same time and i notice it more now because i'm i no longer think that way but i understand all the things that lead to people thinking that way and believing that in the gnostic interpretation of things but you know i i for so long I, I think that when you get into that that mindset it's really to the detriment of the human body eventually it, it it puts a lot of stress it puts a lot of stress on the mind it puts a lot of stress on the body and and i think i was focused on that for almost in close to 10 years and hmm. maybe not quite that long but enough for it for me to feel the damage and the effects of that sort of thinking and i I really do believe that that the way that we think and if we're in untruth that it does it will eventually affect you it'll affect your psyche it'll affect your body and it just wreaks havoc on you eventually and over time did you say if we're in on truth in untruth if oh, we're in trapped untruth. in lies yeah right, right. oh yep. yeah of course, of course i mean i say of course but i suppose it isn't that self-evident in in a world where you just are who you say you are yeah. and, have to, and everyone else has to agree with you um yeah. but it, it it ought to be well, it's, it's uncommon sense isn't it um that if we don't listen to our bodies we're going to suffer if we don't if we don't allow the truth of our bodies to to guide us and that sounds mystical but it's instinct isn't it yeah exactly it's just instinct yep just instinct yeah <laughs> so yeah well i mean just to maybe finish that point um of course the the, the growing belief i don't know if anyone believes that but the growing narrative that we're in a simulation would be um, is a way to justify all kinds of artificiality. Well, we're already trapped in a simulation, so might as well just stick your head in a cell phone. Because if even if you're looking at a mountain, it's not real. That's the yeah. Gnostic heresy taken to. Yeah, and it's it's easy. I think it's easy these days, especially to get to get caught up into into that into that thinking. And I, I certainly did for for quite a while. And it's, it's very, I think it's dangerous. It's, it's, it's dangerous just for, just for people. And, and I think you lose a lot of, I think you lose any wholeness that you might be able to attain to with thinking like that. And it's, it is very prevalent though. It's very prevalent that I, I don't know when this, how many people, and I'm talking just regular normie type people that have, have said, you know, you kind of hear them in, in discussions where, you know, they, they even bring it up where it's reached them that, well, you know, the, I've heard people say that the reality could be a, um, a, a what do they say, a simulation a, in a, inside of a computer and we're all not even who we think we are. And why wouldn't you think that considering that we're already so detached from what we are as it is? I mean, mm -hmm. it seems to make sense that that's going to be that Gnosticism would be the religion of the new world order or however somebody might, you know, whatever they might call it, mm -hmm. that it would be Gnosticism. It just, it, to me, it makes perfect sense that that that's how people think, even normie people that would come to that conclusion these days. 
the, there's a film from Rodney Asher, Glitch in the Matrix, just came out. And if you heard about it, uh, I was I was interviewed for that, but I didn't make the cut. Eric Davis, Nick Bostrom, a couple of others did. And I bet you, I'm not going to watch it, but I bet you that's why I didn't make the cut, because I bet you that they're, they've got no problem with that. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and again, maybe I'm going to repeat myself, but the more cut off we are from nature and our bodies, the, the less real we would feel, the easier it would be to believe that it's all a simulation. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's, that's what I see as well. And I, I see, I see so much and I do, I look every now and then into the whole, um, you know, new conspiracy type things that people are talking about. I'll just kind of catch them every once in a while. And, yeah. and it's, it's all very much along those lines. There's not, it's, it's there's not much uh, deviation from that anymore. It's, it's all we're in a simulation or, you know, reality is created by a demiurge an evil demiurge. And we're, it's a, the world's a farm. I think we've hit, we've hit peak conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, and it's, it's mainstream. It's, it's yeah, mainstream. Yeah, it's exactly. not, it's it's like, not yeah. even, it's not even things that people talk about in, in, you know, obscure forums on the internet. It's everybody talks about it. It's weird because at the same time, it's become uh, criminalized in some countries. Yeah. To conspiracies. And, and it's still a term of abuse. You're a conspiracy theorist. So that, and that, that's it. what frightens that's what frightens me the most is you know what is the final product the final human product that the people that are sort of steering global culture right now what kind of automata do they want i mean something that doesn't think for itself that's you know it's it's software is is programmed by the state yeah. and it has no being of its own it's completely detached from the body and from its own life and and when you that's why i said earlier that when you lose humor and you lose the ability to even laugh at and where saying certain things becomes illegal even if they're funny <laughs> that you're you're in a really bad spot at that point and that's why that's why i say that this whole thing over the last year has had a very apocalyptic feeling to it but just not in the way that i would have expected you know, now it's like a slow kill where little by little, and now it's just accelerated. They just want to extract the soul out of people and make them think you have to think this way. If you don't think this way, you're completely cut out. You're out of the society. You are, you're complete, you're just a pariah. And the thing that, that worries me is the final product of that. And how close are we to that final product of humanity that has no feeling no depth absolutely nothing to it and it's 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 really a haunting thought for me because meaningful things are are what matter to me personally i, I prefer more of in-depth conversation that have substance to them than just well let's talk about the weather let's talk about sports let's you know, talk about some other bullshit that everybody else talks about because they don't really have anything else to say. So yeah, it's, it's scary to, to think what's coming and the kind of people that are coming because 
one thing I, I have noticed is that you see a lot of hatred in the eyes of people that when they see somebody that is distinct or unique, it's like they want to stomp it out immediately. And it's, it's almost like this blind hatred toward people that actually have depth and substance. And they want to just kind of wipe that out. And that includes wiping out that humor along with it. And it's, it's, it's so dangerous to me. It's just so very dangerous. We've had a few laughs today, haven't we? We have. I yeah, think we so. Have, definitely. No jokes, but a few <laughs> chuckles, maybe a belly laugh yeah, here and there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's very well said. I didn't, I, I don't want to repeat myself when saying, uh, I'll rephrase it and say, you, you're welcome to join our cult, Dan, with talk like that you'll fit right in well, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way <laughs> speaking of which did, did you know there's a free event tonight like in an hour's time oh no <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't I did not know that uh, well there you go you can put your your money where your mouth is and it won't even cost you, cost you anything yeah. Uh, I might I might have to build myself up for a week or so before I can join. Sure, sure. No, no pressure. I was definitely I was well, not about definitely, but I wasn't really expecting such willingness. I, I just wanted to hear hear your objections and see yeah. what they brought out of me. And that's good. I'm glad it's a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um Right. Well, this is now this, this is a podcast, I guess. Unless you feel you said anything you shouldn't be heard saying. No, I think uh, all my stammering and all of that. If you can edit that out, go ahead. But not a chance. Probably a hard. Not a it's probably pretty hard to do. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah <laughs> I have had guests that they said, "You know, every three times a sentence," and I just, uh, I just, oh, had I, hate to, it. I had to edit because I thought I can't inflict it on the listeners. Fortunately, I haven't had any like that for a long time because that was a shitload of work yeah you know i do that all the time and i catch myself and i hate it which is why part of the reason whenever whenever these kind of podcasts are done i just i can't even force myself to listen to them you didn't listen to our podcast i listened to parts of it Mm. i listened to a few parts of it but there were there were parts in there and i can't remember the exact moments where i just even hearing myself i just get kind of i cringe a little bit all right now you haven't said you know in any 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 viral way today because i i noticed those things that's Um, good yeah no you've been very eloquent very articulate well done (laughs) (laughs) no i mean thank you because it's it's going to be good for others to hear and i said it's it's quite uncanny how closely the things you're saying are to what Dave's been saying recently, uh, which means that people can hear it from somebody else. And, because people need to hear it, I, I feel. People really need to hear it, not because they need to wake up, but because they need to know they're not alone, because so many other people are feeling, are yeah. noticing this, but not, uh, am I the only one, right? So, am I the yeah. only one who's seeing this? It's, no, yeah, it it's sometimes... Yeah, and it sometimes it really does feel that way, especially now. It's so many people. It seems like so few people are aware of what's going on. And I mean, I, I have looked even my, for myself and, and for the family. Um, 
for community somewhere and it's just so hard to find. So, I mean, we all have each other and we're all very close um, and try to be as, as holistic as we can. And especially, you know, with some of the plans we have for this spring and summer, but um, finding other people that think like, like we do, it's, it's very hard. The closest we, I think that we've ever come has been, you know, small Christian communities here and there. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, not, not easy. There ends my conversation with Dan Mitchell for the Limitless, the podcast between those who have crossed the play wall or want to, the affinity groups, the men's group and other kinds of groups are occurring weekly on Zoom and also I'm available for one-to-one consultations, dialogues, whatever kind of orientation you're looking for, well, can't guarantee to provide any kind. But if you've arrived here, there may be something I have for you. This is a way, if you would like to get closer to the center of the cyclone, if you'd also like to support me in my Galician Grass Horse Feel the Answer project, uh, that's one way you can do it. To, uh, to do that, to do any of those things, go to the contact area at the website. Feel the answer.